Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. It's our first podcast of the decade, and we have some of the ASB Wealth team in the studio to chat about the burning questions their customers are asking them and how the team helps them make the best investment decisions. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Welcome, everyone, to the booth. We're upstairs today. We're not... um uh, we're still on uh, Franklin Road in Ponsonby, but we've moved up to a new booth, and we've got some new people in the podcast studio today. So uh, we've got Sean Lewington, we've got Rebecca Drummond, and we've got Glenn uh, Wosley, who's driven up from the Tron uh, to come and see us. So welcome to all of you. Now, you all have something in common, don't you? We do. Yes, we do. Uh one, you're probably a little nervous about being <laughs> about being in the in the in the in the booth. But two, you're all uh, what we call wealth managers at uh, at ASB. That's correct, isn't it? It is correct. Yep. Okay. So I thought what what we're going to do a little bit different today on this podcast is historically we've had sort of the fund managers here from State Street and BlackRock uh, and and Vanguard, and they've talked about sort of their institutions and how they manage the money and their relationship with ASB. Today, we thought we'd do something a little bit different where we talk to you you guys about what's a wealth manager, uh, what do you actually do at, at ASB, and what sort of questions are uh, customers asking and how you do respond to that and what are people worried about and maybe some trends that we're seeing that's going on um, that we saw last year. And as we start the new decade or the new year, what are we going to see in uh, 2020? Okay. How does that sound? Sounds perfect. Sounds yep. good. Okay, so we might start. So uh, maybe ladies first. Like introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Rebecca, um, and you know what's the what does Rebecca do to in her spare time and things like that. So I moved to Auckland about nine years ago. So enjoy um, living in Auckland. In my spare time, I've got a son who's eleven, um, and some stupid reason decided to get another dog. So I've now got two dogs: a two-year-old and a fifteen-week-old puppy. So wow. at the moment, most of my time is trying to train that. Okay. And what sort of puppies, dogs do you have? Um, spoodles. Spoodles. Yes. How do you make a spoodle? Spaniel and a poodle. Spaniel and a poodle. Okay. Wow. Great. Cool. And how long have you been at ASB? ASB, nine years as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Glenn from uh, Cambridge, yeah. Uh, quick background on me. So I um, I grew up in Rotorua, uh, ended up doing some study in Hamilton. First job was at Westpac Trust. There might be some customers that rem- remember that, uh, the merger in 1998. Oh, yeah. I was drawing down home loans. Um, but then I followed my boss over to the UK, uh, and that's where I got introduced to finance, worked at two investment banks over there, um, came back to New Zealand, ended up in Auckland for a decade. Uh, working at ASB, very fortunate. ASB paid for my, my study, uh, Diploma in Financial Planning. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and um, moved down to Cambridge about um, three years ago. So once again, really lucky that I was given the opportunity to, to do that for, for loads of personal reasons, family and stuff like that. And so family in Cambridge? Yeah, yeah. Um, two little children who are, who are growing up pretty quick and um, my family and my wife's family are down that way as well. So, and Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And uh, Mr. Lewington, Sean Lewington, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I was based in the UK, probably tell by my accent. I've uh, been here 13 years now, Okay. 14 years. Uh, very much family uh, from the UK, uh, brought all the family out here. So yeah, based in Auckland. Yeah, yeah. love the job, gives a real variety in terms of where we are. And how long have you been at ASB? Twelve and a half. Twelve and a half years. There's a, bit, you, Jonathan. there's a bit of a story about there how, you, jo- story, how, how you joined ASB. I remember meeting you, was it, th- 13 and a half, 14 years, when you just arrived? I just arrived off the boat. Yep. I remember I met Sean yeah. and um, 
he wanted a job at ASB, and I said to him, um, I'll give you a job, but not now. Come back in 12 months' time because you don't know anything about New Zealand and you need to go That's and correct. learn about financial services in New Zealand. So he went off, and I thought, I'll never hear again from, from him. And then he, to the 12 months to the day, he phoned me up and said, you said you'd give me a job. Can I have a job? And then we gave you a job. It's, yep. been, uh, it's been a pleasure ever since. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. No, okay. Best bit of advice I got. Very Fantastic. Good. Yeah, All right, so, yeah. uh, so you guys seem to have quite a varied uh, background and from different places in the world and, uh, and have done things differently in the past. But you're all um, wealth managers, as we call them at ASB. So maybe let's start with a real simple question. Maybe I'll start with you, Glenn. Um, so wealth manager, what do you what does that actually mean? What do you actually do as a wealth manager? Yeah, um, look, we we give financial advice on behalf of ASB, um, and, and typically what we do is, is we work through a process with our clients. Um, we spend a lot of time planning. Um, and that's where we get to know the customer, work out what's important to them, uh, what do they need the money to do, understanding the bigger picture, um, the financial side of things, uh, the personal side of things, and mapping out a strategy um, to helping them achieve all their financial goals. Fantastic. How, would you add to that, Sean? What other sort of things do you think you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, job's about people. Spend a lot of time understanding people. Uh, we're absolutely privileged here. We meet a wide background of people, people you would never meet. Yeah. Unless you work for ASB. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a good part. I've always enjoyed that. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Mm. And Rebecca, what, what else do you think you do as a, as a wealth manager at ASB? You know, I think, you know, and, and going on from what uh, Glenn said, obviously we see a lot of new customers, but we actually look after a lot of existing customers as well who have already uh, chosen to invest with ASB. So a lot of that time is spent just making sure that what they're doing is still the right thing for them, uh, give them confidence that what they're doing is still the right thing, and they're going to be able to achieve their goals. Yeah, I always like the word wealth, though, don't you? Like I, um, I think one of the best jobs I had was a wealth coach, and every time I used to come into um, Auckland Airport, International Airport, and I'd try and go through passport, they you know you have to fill out what your occupation was, and I'd always write wealth coach, and I, they'd always like talk to me for like fifteen minutes, going, um, "Well, what's a wealth coach? That sounds awesome," and I sort of explained what I did, and then. After the after a few times of doing it, I decided to not. Write, I started writing banker instead of uh, wealth coach because no one ever asked you what a banker is, and it was much quicker getting through uh, getting through international airport. But wealth's a really interesting word to use, actually, because there's. I suppose your your job, I suppose, is to help people grow their wealth. Is that is that is that what you sort of if you really bring it down? Is that what is that what you think you're there to do, Glenn? Yeah, it's a big part of it. Um, we see customers who are wanting to grow their wealth for the future. Um, we see a lot of customers that have made their wealth and um, and now they're looking potentially for an income uh, as they're moving into retirement. And family's a big part of that and they're wanting to retain their wealth, p- possibly for the benefit of their family. And a lot of people, I think, when they think about wealth managers or investment advisors or like in, in the UK, Sean, you were probably called a financial consultant, weren't you? I That's suppose. right, yeah, was yeah. it one time? Yeah. And so there's yeah. all these different names, but I suppose like what you're what the real goal is to actually to understand the customers in front of you and actually what are they trying to achieve? Yeah. So how do how do you actually get people to sort of talk to you about what do they want to achieve and what's important to you? How do you do that, Rebecca? I think it's you've got to build trust and, and a bit of a relationship. So that first meeting or that first contact is really just understanding the customer, getting, getting them to know you and, and uh, letting them know who you are and why you're there to help them and building that trust. And then once you start building that trust, it's just really talking to them about them and what's important to them. And people seem to open up and they know you're there to help them, so they're happy to... And do you think they share. open up more to a wealth manager than sort of maybe other people across across the bank or in there? Yeah, I think so, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely, I agree with Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of experiences have you had with people sort of telling you, telling you stuff? And 
Um, look, a fun part of the job, um, the part that I absolutely love is is hearing the the customers' stories of of how they've made their money, yeah. uh, the journey that they've been on. Um, so often, like, like to start talking about that. Where you know, where's the money come from, and, and how have you made the money? And often it can be through business or owning property. There, there's lots of different types of stories. Yeah. Um, so often finding out the the history and then building on that. Yeah, there is a uniqueness that I notice here compared to the UK, which is a lot of self-employed people who have done really, really well, um, had a niche in the marketplace. Um, I work in Kerry Kerry outside. You can you can do a lot of those jobs outside the main region. So we do you do see a lot of different types of people who've either built their wealth and we're looking at from next generations a and lot you of see, the time. And, and you talk about Kerry K, do you see a lot of people who are sort of uh, have moved to Kerry K from other parts of the world or yeah. from out of Auckland? Yeah, what? I've been going there about 10 years now. It's actually busy now. Okay. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, you go to a cafe, it's like going to an Auckland yeah. cafe. So you've seen a lot of people um, exit out of Auckland uh, and use that as a place to live for lots of different reasons and the spare cash from the home go towards a lifestyle in retirement so yeah a lot of that yeah and you've seen that in cambridge and waikato Glenn? yeah a huge amount of that i think with um the growth in property um prices over the last few years or over the last decade a lot of clients have have understood they're sitting on a house in auckland it might be worth two million or, or a million dollars um and they're taking the opportunity to to cash that out uh in the three years i've been down in the waikato i've seen a, a ton of customers uh, doing exactly that moving out of auckland um selling the home moving to coastal areas um or or other parts in the regions Maybe they might buy a house for seven or eight hundred thousand and and we help them with investing the rest and and, and generating an income if that's what they're looking for wow wow and what for seven hundred thousand what sort of property can you get in uh, in uh, waikato well, a couple of years, maybe two or three years ago, you, you could get something quite nice. Um, but, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, prices have definitely moved. Um, they obviously haven't caught up to Auckland, but I, I think there's the, the gap's narrowing, I, I think, yeah. but between the, the regions. You moved up from the South Island. Yeah, from Dunedin. Into, and do you see uh, sort of, do you see differences in how people sort of think around their sort of lifestyle and their wealth in Dunedin to up into Auckland, or is it just... Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, particularly in Dunedin, I mean, this is 10 years ago, but, you know, your house, you know, it, it wasn't the values that it is in Auckland. And so, you know, their retirement or moving away from Dunedin wasn't really an option in terms of for their next step in retirement. Yeah. So um, what they're building in cash or excess um, income or what that is, is it not come normally come from their house? Um, the other thing you probably see is people generally bought houses in Dunedin for the income yield, not necessarily the capital growth. So there was different rationale as to buying buying a property. So um, really interesting. So uh, about sort of what you're, what you're seeing out there, but maybe let's just sort of distill it down a little bit. So you've got these customers who maybe... Um, had an asset or a business that they've sold, and they're they're having a lifestyle change, and they're sitting down with you to have a have a conversation. What are some of the what are some of the questions or the concerns that customers have at that point? Do you want to kick us off, Glenn? What? Uh... Yeah, I think um, they've they've made the money, um, and if someone's retiring um, now, I mean, people are easily living into their nineties. Um, and so I think retention of that capital was really, really important. And so if you're talking about a retirement time frame of, of 25 or 30 years, um, if they're not going to go back to work, that's a really long period of time that yeah. they need to ensure uh, their money's working. So they want that clarity that, um, that they can make it work for them. 
Um, and often they're looking for a supplementary income. Yeah, yeah. And do they worry about running out of money? Is that something that's... Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they want to know that the, the capital is, is going to last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you how do you go about sort of helping them understand that they're... They, they've got enough money or they haven't got enough money. What's that? Yeah, well, that's that's part of the um, the fantastic tools that we have is that um, we can get to a point where uh, when we understand what their needs are, we can look at the right type of strategy and we can actually give them advice um, and give them that clarity so we can graphically show them, look, if you have X amount invested in this type of strategy, drawing this much income off after fees, tax and inflation, what's it all going to look like over 5, 10, 15, 20 yeah. years plus? Fantastic. So Fantastic. they get that peace of mind. Cool. cool. And Sean, what do you see when, uh, what sort of questions are you getting asked? There are concerns when people, um, they've, they've been used to rising uh, income through their job and now they're coming to a fixed income, whether that's the New Zealand super or any other assets they've got, but they do see escalating costs especially healthcare. Um, so they're, they're definitely looking for comfort from ourselves and assurance that they can afford to do that. Um, so, yeah, I definitely see a lot of, lot of that nowadays. And, ha- yeah. and ha- so but I suppose but you're going from maybe a um, certainty yeah. to uncertainty. Yeah? So you've got sort of, even if, you, even if you're thinking about a lot of customers, I suppose, would have had money in term deposit or in cash, and they know what they're rate of interest is going to yep. be yeah but then if you start investing into into different asset classes you you can never say actually what you're going to get how do you, how do you actually sort of balance that sort of you're moving from uncertainty to from certainty to uncertainty in in terms of the objectives of what you're trying to because you've been used to you come into the bank somebody rings you up your term deposits maturing what can I put it on and that's been a behavioral over that period of time rather than looking into the future and, and that's very much our role in terms of looking at the asset classes, where you are, what they've got to try and achieve, yeah. rather than looking at the rate of return, okay. which, yeah. which is down to the underlying assets. So we do look into people's, um, what they're trying to achieve, what their objectives are, yeah. rather than focusing on the next six to 12 months. So there's a lot more future So you take a sort of more medium to long absolutely. term view. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think also a big part of um, a wealth manager's role was actually, actually help them educate to understand those different asset classes because a lot of people that we see certainly have come in and cash or term deposit has been their main source of investment experience. Yep. So a big part of you know what we're doing with customers is helping them understand well, what is that investment world and how to help them understand it. KiwiSavers helped a little bit um, mm, and with people's education, yep. but yep. certainly yeah, big a big role we play is helping yeah. give clients confidence around what that other world yeah. looks and, like. And do you see customers with KiwiSaver? Are they, are they, is that more Every prevalent? day. Every day. Every, every single day. day. Yeah. 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 Um, and often, the, obviously, the balance of the KiwiSaver will be um, less compared to other assets that they've got. Um, but they still notice it moving around and, and, and they're sort of understanding that, okay, yeah, it does move around unlike a term deposit. Yeah. And then the change in... July, I think it was, where if you're over 65, you can start putting money into or join KiwiSaver. Have you seen, is that sort of something that you're seeing on the front line that customers are thinking about KiwiSaver Definitely. differently? Absolutely. And we've even got existing customers who have invested in other types of, of funds yeah. and are going, well, now is KiwiSaver more appropriate yeah. uh, product that we should be in or, you know, how do we use it and complement what we're doing with other things? So it's it's definitely becoming more front of mind for customers. We've certainly seen a lot of people at age sixty-five who cash their KiwiSaver in, yeah, because they could, yeah, uh, are now coming back yeah. to reopen it, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. or thought they had to close it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to uh, say, yeah. a lot of clients thought they had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, okay, and so you've got, uh, so you're helping people more sort of uh, long term, and they're worried a little bit about sort of, am I going to run out of money or what am I going to get? Um, what about sort of, uh, sort of? 
attitude to risk or risk tolerance? How do you how do you deal with do people have questions around the risk element of of investing? I'm sure that's prevalent. Definitely, yeah. I mean, one of the first things customers walk in saying is, you know, I don't want to lose my money, yeah. and and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, and and I, most of the time, what they're meaning is they want to avoid capital loss. You know, they've they've worked all their lives, they've built up these assets, um, and and now's not the time to to, to, to lose this cash, um, especially if they're going to retire. So it's very front of mind for them. And a lot of people think that because they've retired, you know, that they need to stay really low risk because of that worry and I think going back to what I said earlier around the education piece a lot of what we do is helping them understand well what is risk the first question I would normally ask customers what is risk to you because it's actually different for a lot of people Um, and some of the answers is a risk of losing all my money um, risk that it's not going to be there when I'm 90 so I think it's really establishing um, what that customer means by risk and then work with them to help them understand how do we design something for them that's going to work Sean, you've been around a long time. So, what what are, what do people say around uh, um, risk tolerance when you're talking to them? Has it changed over the years? I would say most people a um, number of years ago would say, "Don't talk to me about risk," yeah. um, and it is understanding what that means to that person. When you was getting nine point two percent on a term deposit when yeah. I first came to New Zealand uh, at the ASB yeah. Classic, it was there in the stands. Remember, <laughs> two year rate wasn't too late in the day, so I do remember it. Um, so you've got 9.2. Why would you go into shares at that time? Um, so things have definitely changed when, you, when you've seen interest rates now where they are. Um, people's attitude to now wanting to look towards the future and will 2% after tax do it for me has definitely changed people's And that's what mindset. Chris Taylor Brown always talks about. He talks about, like, if you're going to go into the share market, you're going to take some risk. You're yep. going to get a, you, need, you need a return on that. And Correct. If you take... A long term, what do you what do you expect from a world share? You expect over the medium to long term, you should be getting sort of eight nine percent. Well, if you're getting that in cash, like what's the what's the point? Yeah, you know. Uh, but that's that's changed in your time in New Zealand, uh, my time in New Zealand. That's completely flipped on its head now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're now seeing people who you wouldn't have seen before of rates where they are. But all you've seen since that time is 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 returns coming back in in that one asset class. Uh, I totally agree with KiwiSaver. Uh, I was here when you launched it. You even did a video on KiwiSaver. Very good, Jonathan. Um, It was a number one in the hit parade, I think, that DVD. Is it still trending? (laughs) DVD, it was on (laughs) DVD (laughs) at the time, was it? Yeah, it was was just after videotape. But having paid in, a lot of people call it painless extraction. It comes from the salary, comes from the employer as well. And now seeing some pretty large balances in KiwiSaver now and seeing what I would say some very good returns recently as well. So yeah, yeah. Well, look. I think if you look at the last ten years, you can't complain about the returns, can you? Like, no. You know, I do feel a little bit sorry for the per- the person who came up with the idea of KiwiSaver when they launched it because their timing was possibly the worst of any. T- yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. right suddenly before, right before the global financial yeah. crisis, and suddenly, so people took quite a while to actually start to see what investing to the medium of long term can actually do for them. You know, uh, to, so it was a hard reality for but some my, people. My children have seen it and are now started working, so their employer are paying it on part-time basis, go from $1,000, now over to 2000 They see it drop and ask me, hey, Dad, what's going on there? So it has certainly, certainly helped people. But yeah. just because interest rates are low, Rebecca, 
doesn't mean you have to invest, does it? Like, Not at all. Yeah, and that's part. Is that part of the planning process? I Absolutely. Think. That first meeting that we take clients through is is really about understanding what they're trying to achieve and whether or not they actually need to do anything different. Yep. Um, ultimately, it's about finding the right solution for them. So that's exactly what you want to try and get out of that first meeting, and so they can walk away feeling confident that they're doing the right thing based on where they're at. So we see lots of customers where after our conversation with them, actually from what they've told us turn deposit is absolutely the right place for them. Mm, that's quite a common question we can ask too is, you know, do you need to move out of term deposit? Yeah. Um, and often once you've spoken about their financial goals, it's pretty um, evident that they have to. I was, I was, I was talking to a customer um, before Christmas and they were saying, oh, I, I need to get out of term deposit. I don't like term deposit. And I was like, okay, so why not? And they were like, well, I just don't like the rate. I go, okay, well. I, I get that, but this almost in my mind, there's like two types of customers. There's the customer who um, I need to live off the income that this term deposit is providing, and in the last few years, it's halved. Yeah, so I used to get say I don't know forty thousand dollars of interest, and now I'm getting twenty. That's going to impact on my lifestyle, and so you probably need to think about how how you can do something different, or you know, manage your money differently, or whatever. Or there's this other group of people actually. Well, that doesn't impact their lifestyle because they've got so much money. Yeah. Um, but I actually don't like it because I've worked really hard. I've built up a business or I've worked all my life. I actually don't want to see it um, whittled away. So there's almost like sort of two different customers come from it from two different points. Have you, have you, do you see that when you're – because you deal with some quite high net worth individuals. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, you know, if you look at just the, the dollar balance of what they've got and what they need on just purely an income need, they probably don't need to do anything different. Yeah. But that's when going, you know, having those conversations with them about, well, why do you want to do something different? Yeah. What's important to you? And a big part of it is actually exactly what you said. Look, I've worked really, really hard for this money. Yeah. Um, I don't want to see it in 20 years' time. It may still be worth the same. But actually, as we all know, costs go up and inflation impacts it and it's actually worth less. So for them, because they've worked hard, they want to maintain it and and pass it down. Yeah, they want to make sure the money's working hard. Yeah. They've worked hard for the money. Yeah. They don't want their money. Yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. Sitting there. Yeah. And that's how they see it. Especially yeah. sort of, you, know, you deal with a lot of people who've run businesses yeah. and stuff. They, 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 they're they risk takers. They're used to sort of doing something different. They've worked really hard. They want to return on capital. Why are they yeah. suddenly going to change everything they've done and go, actually, I'm just happy to sit and do nothing? Yeah. But, you know? but, uh, interesting. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about sort of new customers. What about, and you all look after, I suppose, the existing customers as well. So um, if you reflect back on 2019, uh, what is what were some of the questions or concerns that uh, that were raised through uh, through your existing customers? What were they asking? I think the biggest question that a lot of our clients, well, my clients were asking, was really around. Um, there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of negative news in the media around what was going on with China and the US and Trump. Um, and so, really, the biggest question was: is how is that going to impact me and my ability to achieve what I want? Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of time we spent with customers reviewing their needs, reviewing their goals, and, and giving them confidence that actually. Because we're investing for the longer term, we can we've got the ability to ride out those ups and downs. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. We can't. We don't know when the next um, thing Trump might say and how that will impact markets. But we really need to focus on that long term view and just really give them the confidence that the money that we're doing lots of work behind the scenes to ensure their money is working the right way. That's really interesting the way you answered that question because you were talking about sort of you know Trump and markets going yeah. up and down, but you didn't answer the question about talking about markets. You talked. To, you answered the question about what were their needs and what were their plans. So. It, that's quite interesting. So you, is that the sort of conversation you have rather than this is what the investment manager is doing? It's more about the why they invested the money? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because 
why they invest the money is ultimately why we've done what we've done. Yeah. So we can't control markets. Markets, you know, we've got great investment managers and they do an awesome job, but no one can control what, as I said, Trump might yeah. say or how the markets might react. So it's really about focusing on Trump why. Trump can't even control what he's going to say. That's so. true. <laughs> so it's really about making sure that why we invest in money is still um, yeah. still the same thing. It's still valid. And then focusing on how we how we can make sure that can be achieved in the longer term. Get similar similar questions, Glenn. Yeah, and I think falling back on an investment plan that you've got and you've developed an investment plan, um, go back to it and say this is the reason why we did this. So take all the emotion out of it. Uh, here, this was the plan. Has anything changed? No. All right. Well, yeah. you know, we have a plan. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. stick to this. Yeah, yeah. Sean, the the plan's the important part of it. The plan's the absolute important part. You you have seen double-digit returns across most asset classes in terms of the strategies that we have. Will that continue? Things change all the time. One thing I've noticed in the time I've been doing the rolling fund, I remember working for the Pro. I had a grey book. It was called my rate book when I went to see clients. Uh, There wasn't too much noise. There's a lot of noise now uh, in terms of Twitter. You get the news instantaneously. Your phone pings. I'm sure there's things been happening while we've been doing this. Is um, holding people's hands at times of uncertainty is a very, very important part. I remember job. I used to work for the Prue and people used to phone us up and want a valuation. Prue <laughs> yeah. being the Prudential. Yeah, Prudential, yeah. yeah. If you ever go yeah. and see uh, the Prue's head office, it's on um, Holborn in um, um, in the city of London. And it's this beautiful, it's, a, it's a similar to the colour of the wall in here. So it's like a pink building. It's massive. And it's, that's the headquarters yeah. of the Prudential Company, a huge life assurance investment yeah. company. But when I used to work for them, people used to phone up and say, can I have a valuation of my portfolio or my investment, please? And we go, yes, give us six weeks and we'll get back to you. <laughs> you know, Im- you imagine, imagine doing that now. Like, you just wouldn't last yeah. a, a second, would you? But you're right, everything's so... So quick, yeah. And I, I, does that actually help customers, though, with all this noise? And, <laughs> I, and I don't think it does. Some clients are fine because they understand the nature of it, yeah. but those clients that are probably naturally a bit more nervous or yeah. never done it before when they're yeah. seeing it on their phone or logging in yeah. and they're seeing those values fluctuate it does make them a little bit more yeah. nervous so you know as Sean said that hand holding reassuring them about what we've done and why we've done it is actually really really yeah. important. There's definitely a feel good factor when markets go up. Totally. Yeah. Absolute feel good factor same as your house going up and you're getting more equity. Um, the our, our role and when we earn our money is making sure we, we go back to the plan and make sure that's still on track. That's when you're really earning your money as a as a wealth manager. Yeah. I remember working through the global financial crisis, and um, I actually started a new role, and I took over a client block at the beginning of uh, 2008. So not a particularly great time to Good timing. yeah change roles. And that first year was me just a meeting customers, explaining that um, their portfolios had gone down in value, yeah. but then reassuring them. But in that time, I, I never had a portfolio closed because they knew they could pick up the phone and ring me. Yeah. They knew they could have a conversation if they were worried. And it was just that reassurance yeah. and going back to the original reason why they invested um, that helped give them that comfort. Yeah, I just think, I don't know, customers just want to know, don't they? Like, yeah. I, there's, there's no, there's, you shouldn't be hiding anything. It's just like, this is what's going on and why and how does this impact me? And as long as they know that, then actually that gives them the comfort. They still may not like it, but actually I, I actually understand it. I think that's half the half the battle. If you can get customers to really understand the why, yeah. then actually they can sleep at night and know that it's in safe hands and actually all this money I've worked really hard for is... is, is There's 24-hour news nowadays. Yeah. So you can stay up all night worrying about things. So yeah, And it's being honest. 
you know, yeah. I, we get asked questions. Well, you know, when's it going to be the winner market's going to um, come back, yeah. or they've been on a run for the last ten years? It's going to be a crash at some stage. Yeah. I'd love to know the answer to that question, yeah. but I really don't. No. And so you can you tell me if you know? So uh, uh, sure, yeah. Well, actually, no, I'm not going to tell you <laughs> because I'll keep it to myself. Oh, yeah, charming. Um, but yeah, it's being honest with people, yeah. and if you don't, you know, I can't answer all their questions, but we can still reassure them around. Yeah, what they're doing and why they're doing it. And so people have been asking about sort of how it affects their um, markets, affect their portfolio. What other sort of questions you've been getting over the last sort of uh, 12 months that people have been worried about? The biggest one for me would be really around um, interest rates okay. and the impact on their, on their you know, fixed interest within yeah. their portfolios. Yeah. They've actually seen, because rates have fallen, their, their returns on their fixed interest rates have done really, really well. Yeah, um, but when rates do start to rise again, that's going to have a negative impact. So I think clients are just worried about how they actually... You transition then. Yeah, yeah. How, how it's going to impact in the longer term. Um, and, you know, they're looking at their fixed interest assets and going, oh my God, it's in 6 or 7%, yeah. which is quite abnormal when actually the interest rate they're getting in terms of the income is around 2 yeah. And it's just helping clients understand that, that, that relationship and actually what that that impact is going to be longer term. Yeah. And it, you had interest rates? Is yeah, definitely. Well? Yeah, yeah. we have the old conversation around how low will they go and how long, um, you know, will they go negative? We've seen that overseas. And can I get a negative mortgage at ASB um, like they do in some places in Europe? Um, the other the other question we sometimes get or a conversation we have around is um, should we buy property? Should yeah. we should we buy a rental property? That's yeah. the other option for us with this this capital that we have. So uh, often it's then looking at the pros and cons of um, should yeah should you go down that path or can we help you you know with, with different assets at our end? And what are you are you seeing any trends or anything different around people buying rental properties? People still doing it um, or getting out of them? Or? Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of. Um, customers moving out of Auckland selling different types of property but just recently in the last probably year or 18 months I've seen a lot of customers who are uh, getting fed up with uh, rental properties um, just in terms of it seems like the the rights are sort of shifting into favour of the, the tenants um, and there's a lot more legislation coming in um, around the, how the properties need to be insulated so there's all these additional costs and, you, and and they have bad tenants and so we've seen a lot of customers sort of debating is now a good time to sell it we've made good gains on it um, you know I can't be bothered with a hassle so should we pull out and do something different or should I sell one of my two and, and do something different with that capital and you help customers those sort of decisions and absolutely and yeah yeah. and a lot of the time um, the customers that I see um, especially if they're moving into retirement they are looking for income um, and look with a with a rental property once you take off um, rates and insurances and maintenance and um, tax is the big one often the income's not quite there um, and so something we can g- uh, give them which is a bit different is the um, the thought of a portfolio where we'll try and produce the income but look if it isn't there um, you have the ability to draw down on this. You can draw down on it. Uh, you can't just sell a, a bathroom off on a property and release 50k. It's all or nothing. It's a nice right? bathroom. It'd be a nice bathroom with 50k. 50K. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see your bathroom. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal in Cambridge. Isn't it? <laughs> Golden. They're known for their bathrooms in Cambridge. But, uh, <laughs> that's really interesting. Are you, are you seeing that at all, Sean? When you're sort of travelling up in Northland and uh... oh, ab- absolutely. Uh, concern are rising. Uh, Rising medical costs, rates are going up. Um, will will their will their strategy or investment continue to go up with that? And I, I, one thing I do see is p- 
people don't really like to eat into their capital, uh, but are realising that maybe they need to in in future. And that's something that we've seen uh, as interest rates and yields across different asset classes have have come back. I think there's a realisation now, if you want that lifestyle that you need, um, absolutely. But I think that yeah. comes back to the worry that I'm going to run out of money. You know, I think there's, I think in, I think Glenn said it earlier about, you know, you could be in retirement for 25, 30, 30 years. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's probably the same amount of time as some people actually have worked. Like it's quite a, it's almost like a scare, quite a scary. People scary love traveling in New Zealand, yeah, don't they? Exactly. They travel, but yeah. I think there's there's a sort of almost different phases in retirement. Like you don't see many eighty seven year olds traveling the world, hiking up mountains and stuff. But you have your sort of spending years between sort of sixty five and seventy. Twenty great so, summers, you know, yeah, 20, yeah, and yeah, then after that, summers, it's yeah. a little bit different. Where actually then. As you've mentioned a couple of times, healthcare becomes a bit of an issue, and how you fund that. So there's almost like different phases of your of your of your retirement, you know, and how you plan for that is going to be is going to be key. It's that bill that comes through the post that you're not quite sure what that's going to be, yeah, yeah. Um, people want the assurance that they've got cash to do that. I think that's the best part of one of our jobs is actually helping people know that a they can spend what they want to, or sometimes spend more. And, you know, we often uh, get clients to sort of look at what sort of life they want and how much it's going to cost them. And giving a client news that actually you can spend your $50,000 on travel or whatever it may be um, is actually a really awesome feeling. Yeah. And seeing the confidence in the eyes, knowing that they can do these things and still enjoy life and not worry about mm-hmm. running out. We have, we have clients who are concerned that their children or their grandchildren, um, you know, how are they going to buy their first home? Yeah. Um, so having that conversation around, well, look, why don't you give them... Two hundred thousand now, and look, you can you can afford to do that because the rest of your capital is going to be there. So why wait twenty or thirty years? Get, and you get the benefit of seeing them, you know, enjoy that as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. fantastic. Okay, and then so I might actually sort of go around quickly because Rebecca sort of put an idea in my head around like what's the best part of the job. So I'll come back to you in a second, Rebecca. But you guys have been a wealth man. You've done it here yeah. and in the UK. You, know, you must like it. Because uh, you've been doing it for a, yeah. a while, yeah. So, what is the best part of being a, a being a wealth manager or financial advisor? Or people, people, understanding people, yeah. why they've got where they have decisions that they've made, and building that relationship over a longer time. Yeah, yeah we we had the privilege of going to the tennis this year, some of our clients, and building that relationship. Oh, that's the best part of the job. Yeah, gotta be absolutely at the tennis with clients. It's a hard job. Absolutely. Uh, it's part of the gig. <laughs> but, no, no, it, 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 it's, it's interesting. I was thinking today when I was coming in, why did I get into I was a paper paper boy. And I, also, I met politicians and all different people from all different backgrounds. And I used to love dropping the paper off and talking to them. It's not really changed no. over that period of time. And that was 14 I was doing my paper around. Jeepers. Nearly 40 years, not quite. Uh, <laughs> but ab- 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 absolutely. Uh, um, company we work for, work, work with some great, great people as well. And, yeah, and it changes. The roles really changed over that period of time. Uh, being here, um, the way the way things are now has really evolved over the twelve years with legislation and giving customers more confidence in who they're working with. Brilliant. So, yeah, Brilliant. people, I'd say. People, Glenn, yeah. How, yeah. What's the best part of being a wealth manager? I love to see where people have come from, the history, and how they've made their money. But in that first meeting, we have um, it's an awesome conversation because we have this conversation around what do you want to do with your money which is always a, a nice conversation to have because it's you know them talking about where they want to go on holiday yeah. um, and it's about how they're going to help their family out. So it's, a, it's always a really positive conversation. So it's a, it's, for me, that's probably the, 
the standout. Fantastic. And Rebecca, what's, uh, what's the best And I'm not going to go against the grain, but it's definitely the people. You, you build some great relationships, and, and money's a really private thing, but you know, knowing that you're helping someone do the things they want to do and, you know, you when they come back from holidays, you know, sitting down and looking at the photos um, and the relationships and you say sometimes friendships sometimes you build, but knowing that you're helping them and letting them enjoy their life, but maybe their family's life as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd agree. When I was at a, I'd, I used to, when I worked at Legal in general, I got in, I was like the young guy and everyone else was sort of, you know, built much older than me, and uh, most of them were ex-miners. They come out of the, uh, oh, right. the miners' strike and yeah. they became financial advisors, which was a bit odd. And they always just say, oh, the best part of the job is the people and the relationship, and you become, and they tell you stuff. And, yeah. it's like, and when you start out, start out, people don't really tell you stuff and stuff, but actually the longer you do it, you almost become like part of the family with some customers that actually you know everything about them. Then they ask, start asking you advice it's not actually financial advice yep. or investment advice. It's actually, hey, I've got my son's doing this, or can you do that? And I, I look back at them. That's the bit I've really enjoyed the most is actually being brought in and asked your opinion on different things. I just I just shows how close you can get to customers, and once they really trust you, absolutely, you know, is, yeah. is just an awesome. And some of the things yeah. they tell you is simply yeah. not um, oh, yeah. things you're going to want to probably yeah. repeat. Totally, <laughs> totally. But uh, hey, well, I think you guys are uh, are doing a great job, and it's been lovely talking to you for for a wee while. And the fa- the thing that's really come out to me is just that focus on actually the conversation you have and getting to know the people and actually trying to find some common ground and so on and so and so they they feel comfortable about in make the investment decisions they make initially and then ongoing so thanks very much for all the work and hard effort you put in i'm sure your customers uh, are very thankful as well and hope you've found the experience in the booth uh, pretty cool thanks very That's much thank you thank you cheers thanks for joining us today on the asb investment podcast if you have any thoughts on today's episode or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz.